from CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guy. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Nate Timmons and Ross Martin. Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. Coming at you live from Jake's Food and Spirits on 38th and Walnut, episode 66. I'm your host, of course, Nate Timmons. Ross Martin is on assignment in Florida, so I've brought in the talented Jeff Morton from DenverStiffs.com. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, good to be here at Jake's, and uh, yeah, nice to join you tonight. I, I had a whole thing planned, and it's, <laughs> it, it skipped my mind, so we'll just go on. So Andrew Feinstein <laughs> just came over, waved goodbye to That's us. That's Andy's fault. The big stiff himself <laughs> threw Jeff off a little bit. It did. But yeah, this is a little weird, man. I, I'm setting up everything over here. I've got, uh, I'm trying to control things. I'm going to try to host in Ross's yeah. shoes. Ross told me to be very average. So I'm going to try to do that so I don't outshine him in that department. Well, it's going to have to be really average. <laughs> remind, uh, I want to remind everybody out there, visit coloradosportsguys.com. And when you do so, click on the Amazon banner that takes you to our Amazon affiliate link where you can do your shopping as normal, and it gives the Colorado Sports Guys a small chunk of whatever you purchase, percentage-wise. Yes. But it doesn't cost you anything extra. That's the best part. No, it's, it's the easiest thing to do. Just click on the banner. We've actually been uh, – we can also see what people have purchased. We can't see what you individually have purchased, but we do get a list of items purchased under that account. Oh, wow. So we've been getting some, uh, some very interesting items. We had a humidifier purchased on there this week. A humidifier. Yes. Interesting. Dry Colorado air, Jeff. You need a good humidifier. Uh, you know, I, I would think that I would need it for my skin, though, you know, that in the crack. <laughs> I don't know. I just use some sort of cream thing for that, but whatever. Yeah. What, yeah. Has there been anything else bought that uh, you found notable? Uh, there has been. Ross, I believe, keeps a list. That was just the latest thing that I was informed on. So right. I haven't seen anything this week, but I'm sure there's been something amazing. Oh, I'm sure there is. There's all, there's, you can find anything. At Amazon.com. Shampoo. Shampoo. Deodorant, toilet paper, toiletries, I should say. You can get anything. Bikes, mixers. If you want to record your own podcast, you can start buying your own equipment off of that. If you're buying, you know, your toiletries and it's the most convenient place you can buy it is (laughs) Amazon.com. Very true. And you don't have to be embarrassed by buying a bunch of toilet paper and having the cashier think you spend all your time on the john. But, uh, all right, like I said, we are here at Jake's. They have a great special going on today. It's Tuesday. Two for Tuesday at Jake's. You get two beers for the price of one. And this is also the headquarters of the Denver Stiffs, I would say. And why the, uh, the spot to come for Stiffs Night Out and, uh, the, the nice 100 inch screen. I was going to say 100 foot, but that would be really, really big. I'd be here all the time for that. I don't know, so 100 Video foot. Video games, that would be amazing. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's great. The, the food is fantastic. Uh, the, the, uh, cheesesteak, which we both had, is, uh, really good. I'm probably gonna order one of those up here when we get no. done. Yes, that's, I believe that's on my agenda as well. I think we're gonna go chicken again. That was delicious. Oh, that's right. You got the chicken one the last time. Yeah. I haven't tried that one. Is that, any, that's good. I loved that. it. I'll have to try the chicken one then. Change things up a little. Always get the steak. I've been asked a couple of times. I was asked again today by uh, our friend Adam Kinney, who hosts Denver Sports Nation radio shows on Saturdays and Sundays. Their big football show. I was asked when we were going to do Stiff's Night Out if we picked a game yet. I don't think we have. No, we haven't. 
We'll have to pull that up maybe when we talk a little nuggets later on and maybe look at a couple key dates. Yes, we need to look at some dates and see what uh, would be perfect uh, for that sort of thing. Because last year we did uh, a couple ones, one during the playoff and the other one during when the Nuggets uh, played Mellow for the first time. Yeah. Which was great. It was a when they did Mellow, I, that was a great. Uh, the, the service was fantastic. Place was packed. It was packed to the gills. Uh, we gave away some tickets. Yeah, um, not only tickets, but right behind the Nuggets bench, six right seats. Be- right behind the Nuggets bench, and it was, and it was fantastic. I, I, I thought, I thought that was an extremely effective night, and it was great. And everyone should come down for Stiff's night out. Yeah, and pulled off Game Five as well against the Lakers. Lakers almost came back and won that. You know, I was thinking night. today. Okay, so if the Lakers had Steve Nash last year, do you remember that game five? The Lakers came all the way back. Kobe took the three to win it, right? Or to tie it? Was it to win it? No. No, they didn't tie. But they, was, they, they got close. It was like, it, yeah, you know, yeah, it was a tie. It was a, it was, it was a three to tie. Three Kobe to tie. shot yep. that three, missed it. It bounced out to Ramon Sessions. This season, that would bounce out to Steve Nash. Steve Nash probably would sink that shot. Yes, he would, and I, I got to tell you that that was a, that was an, another memorable night because when Ross interviewed me, I was slightly inebriated. And uh, indeed, I don't think we could have. We don't think we used any of that segment because <laughs> you were rambling about how <laughs> hey, you spilled beer on me. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was, that's a great night. Actually. Speaking of which, not having Ross here, pretty sweet. We can talk as much NBA as we want. That is fantastic it's because like we mom don't, and dad are gone for a week. <laughs> we don't have Ross directing us back. Can have as many cookies as I want. <laughs> but we will eventually talk Broncos. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll still start out with a little Rockies talk. Yeah. Lots of news happening with the Colorado Rockies in the last few days. Most notably, manager Jim Tracy was called into uh, meetings with the team. Everybody thought perhaps he was going to be fired. No, he does wind up resigning, though, and walking away from $1.4 million left on his contract. That was amazing. It was amazing. Well, it, it, it just tells you something about the organization if you're willing to walk away from, you know, Almost a million and a half dollars. Well, what is it? So do you think that this guy, do you think he was pushed out? Do you think that, you know, he wasn't sure he resigned and he left the team? But do you think this was a, hey, we're going to, like they did just after the Rockies got rid of uh, Carney Lansford, the hitting coach. They let go uh, Rich Dower, Dower. the third base coach. So is this kind of a thing where they're like, you can stay, but we're going to gut your coaching staff. We're going to, you know, stop you from being able to make major decisions. And you're going to be basically a puppet head manager, or is this something else? Well, I think uh, I think they made the situation untenable for him, but I don't think the way the knowing the way the Rockies operate, they didn't really think that that would cause him to resign. Because you know, if you saw Gary Miller's uh, interview with Bill Guyvet, the uh, vice president of baseball operations, whatever the hell that means. Gary Miller, former guest of Colorado Sports Former guest. uh, (laughs) The great Gary, the very tall Gary Miller. Yes. Um, He, uh, essentially you could see the look on his face and he was it was shock. I mean, he was still shocked that that, uh, Jim Tracy resigned and I think that they, even after all that they did, they expected him to come back and accept whatever conditions it was, and quite frankly, it was like basically a neutered manager. I mean, you got nothing. You can't direct where your coaches are. I mean, Clint Hurdle did it. Clint yeah. Hurdle did it in 2009. He fired a whole bunch of his coaches and got accepted Jim Tracy as uh, as uh, bench coach. 
and all that stuff. But, I mean, Jim Tracy wouldn't do it. And, you know, more power to him. He wasn't the greatest manager in the world, and I think being, being let go was a great idea. But kudos to him for not wanting to come in into that situation. It was ridiculous. Yeah, no, while we were waiting for the Nuggets to open the doors today down at practice, I was talking with Adam Kinney, and he'd mentioned – you know, if, if the Rockies make this move a little bit sooner, if they if they bring him in, you know, right when the season's over, get rid of him if they know that that's ultimately what they want to do, even though they may not want to pay him the $1.4 million, they have a shot at guys like Terry Francona, who just accepted the Indians' manager position. So they lose out on a few guys. Like, yeah. what's the thinking here? You're kind of dragging your feet. You lose out on some, you know, potential candidates. Who's going to step in to take over this team, or who would want to take over this mess that's on I don't. Hands. I don't know of anyone. I can't, I can't think of anyone. I, this is. They're going to have to promote from within. They're going to have to get some person up from the minor leagues to maybe do it, or maybe Jason Giambi will go into retirement. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard about Giambi maybe being a candidate. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. I mean, that would then be them thinking outside the box, obviously. But I personally am unconvinced. You know of it, but yeah, no track record. Obviously, it would be a very bold move. I mean, Robin Ventura. Had no managerial experience, and he coached the uh, Chicago White Sox for the rookie season this year. After Ozzie Guillen went to uh, uh, Miami, and uh, they almost made the playoffs. So, you know, maybe it can work. I don't know, but it's still an organizational CF, and I just have no. I just don't see any real great hope on the horizon with the, the way the structure is up there. I really don't. Would you put any uh, weight behind the fact that maybe if they did something drastic like trading a Troy Tula whiskey, which has kind of been, you know, whispered around in the mm-hmm. media, is that something that's even a logical move? Like, what would you even move Tulo for at this point? That would would you be able to get enough back for him? Well, you need pitching, yeah. and they they're clinging to this mantra that you can't basically they, what they put out there is that you can't pitch in Colorado. And we just saw with the Ubaldo trade, you yeah. know, these two guys come in and I don't even know if they're going to do anything. Alex White and Drew Pomeranz. Drew Pomeranz of the two has the best stuff, quote unquote, you know, but you know, even that is projecting, right. you know, it's kind of like with us, with our, with our primary sport, you know, when you're projecting out draft picks and, and all that stuff. It's all like what you think they can do. Well, with baseball prospects, sometimes it takes a lot longer because that's why they have the minor league system and they keep it cycling through and all that stuff. So you really don't know. But they're going to use the altitude as some sort of crutch, as an excuse to do whatever system they're going to implement. And I don't know, even though trading to Lewitsky is going to result in the haul that they would need because they really seriously need pitching. Yeah, in a major way. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, uh, that's nice and depressing. Yeah. Let's move from that depressing topic to the even maybe more depressing topic of the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's take a quick <laughs> one. We'll come back, talk Broncos right after this. Quick little break there. Jeff was able to get a fresh sunshine wheat from the staff here at Jake's. Fresh. Recording live, of course, from Jake's Food and Spirits, 38th and Walnut, where the beer flows like wine. <laughs> 
I thought that was Aspen. <laughs> you know, this is pretty much like Aspen, I would say. Yeah, it's a, exactly. Fancy like, I could see movie stars at the other end of the restaurant. You know? Indeed, indeed. All right, man, Denver Broncos traveled to New England last weekend, lose what um, probably should have been a closer game, 31-21. to Broncos get sort of taken out of the game early with another big-time fumble from Demarius Thomas. Yeah. New England kind of has their way with Denver offensively. What did you take away from this game? Are you uh, worried about the Broncos at all after this? Did this mean anything to you? I'm not worried about them. I mean, in, um, New England is a very high-powered offense. I mean, you got Broncos old coach Josh McDaniels as their offensive coordinator. And, you know, they, they run the ball very effectively now. I mean, New England used to be able to not run the ball at all. And now they just – they're they've – out of the system they've got right now, they can really, really run the ball. And they're using four running backs. Four running backs, and they're all equally good. And it's a power running game, and they run out of run out of the shotgun, kind of like it's kind of like a hybrid of the pistol offense that uh, the Oklahoma Sooners use, and what they were doing before. And it works, and I don't blame the Broncos at all for uh, the Broncos had some defensive issues, and they made some questionable play calls. Yeah, uh, specifically <laughs> running the ball on third and four, and then as we talked about a lot too, right? Like the decision to do that, where right. you're, you know, you're not, you know, you're not going to score a touchdown off that play. Yep. You know, basically all you're doing is burning time off the clock. Just, and then you fumble out of it. Too, and then so fumble, yeah. I was, you know, I was, <laughs> It was, I mean, apparently that was Peyton Manning's audible, too. At least he took credit for it. But what I know is I'm not worried about the Broncos based on that game because New England is just a a good team. And, you know, you could be running into a situation here, I don't know if you agree, that the Broncos just just ran up against a better team. Yeah, I think they, you know, New England's, they were the class of the AFC. I think they looked very vulnerable this year at the start of the season. They got a little bit back on track against Buffalo last weekend, thanks in part to Buffalo turning the ball over at least four times. I know Fitzpatrick had four interceptions. But you look at this New England team, and yeah, they played very balanced. They had 54, uh, 54 run attempts. Tom Brady only threw the ball 31 times. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a good team, like you pointed out with the run game. Now mix that with their, with their, you know, passing game. But then on the other side with the Broncos, it's like, all right, how many times are these guys going to make costly turnovers? Yeah. How many times are they going to shoot themselves in the foot, you know, so to speak, and have to come back in these games? You know, we, we finally saw against the Raiders a complete game where they dominated offensively and defensively, and their yeah. defense fed off the offense. Yeah. Well, specifically Demarius. Demarius Thomas with the, with the unforced errors, essentially, is what he's doing. I mean, you're in the break, you're in the clear twice. You know, once in the Raiders game, once in, once in the New England game, and you, you fumble the ball. I mean, you just, as a, as a, if you want to be a big time receiver, you cannot do that. Yeah, and I gotta give a little, I mean, you gotta give credit more so this week to the actual defender for yes. knocking it loose, yeah. you know? I mean, right, he's catching it, he's pulling it down, he'd already taken a couple steps, but Well, still, Demarius just, had a big game too. I mean, like 180 something yards receiving. Yeah, nine catches, 188 yards, but, you know, those turnovers, three turnovers. We had McGahee on the fumble, you had Demarius Thomas on the fumble that really changed the entire face of the game. Yep. You know, you, you give up seven points or at least three points. And then that, that turns into a New England seven, so you're looking at probably a 14 point swing right there. Oh, it, it that changed the course of the game completely. I yeah. mean, dude, there's no doubt about that. I mean, they, the Broncos score there, 
the game is completely different. The look of the game is completely different. You take different. the crowd out. Yep. You put New England on their heels a little bit. But then you also have Peyton Manning committing the turnover as well when he got sacked and fumbled mm-hmm. the football. So oh, yeah. it, w- it wasn't good all around. I mean, although Peyton Manning on it I mean, outside of the fumble had a fantastic game. I mean, three touchdowns, like 380-something yards, I think. Yeah, 345. 345. 31 to 44, three TDs. You know, he was sacked twice, which he's been getting pretty good time. He looks he looks good, other than probably other than that uh, Atlanta game. He's been a great quarterback. I think the Atlanta game was the worst of the games, <laughs> obviously. Three, three, three interceptions in the first quarter will do that. But the... But the rest of the games, and specifically this game, you saw him come into his own. You saw the old Peyton Manning in this game. You know, but he was a handicapped a little by some, like I said, some questionable play calling, specifically towards the end of the game. But um, I'm not worried about the Broncos. They, if they shore up the turnovers, the defense is, is apparently, I think, geared toward um, coming, you know, when you're ahead. So kind of like the old uh, Indianapolis Colts defense where, you know, you get ahead and they can just attack. You can put the pressure on. Yeah, yeah but that defense, man, they're so scary in, in terms of not being able to stop teams in the passing game yeah. and, and letting teams convert. God, what did New England convert? Third and 14, third and 17, what something was the like third that. Third and 17, was that, was that Woodhead ran? Woodhead for like 24 yards. And, <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're looking at this defense, it's very concerning that this, this linebacking core, you know, I know they like to blitz Vaughn Miller. Yeah. Elvis Dumerville plays kind of that hybrid outside linebacker defensive in position. And you have Joe Mays, who Joe Mays can't cover anybody. No. He can hit. Yeah, he's a great hitter. He can get after the quarterback a little bit. But that guy in pass coverage is a major liability. And I, I don't know. The secondary, they haven't looked good either. Champ Bailey's been getting beat. Tracy Porter's been getting beat. The safeties, it's well, I think it's not a lot of it, good. On uh, I mean, I hate to say this, but a lot of it I think has to do with uh, DJ Williams being out. I mean, he really, really is their best linebacker. And how do you get your suspension increased? Because he's a another, moron. Another three games for his was that was this for the DUI? Add-on? Yeah, it was the DUI. Uh, it's just, Two DUIs, off-season issues. I mean, I mean, no other situation would he be still on this team. Yeah, it's but, crazy. But for the fact that he is needed desperately. He is, but he's not even going to be back now until, what, week 10, week 11? Uh, week 10. Nine-game suspension. So moving on from this New England game, Broncos still in pretty good shape out west. San Diego leading the division. They're just 3-2. and two. Broncos one game behind at 2-3. and three. Big Monday night matchup coming up. Yeah. Broncos schedule doesn't get any easier as they take on the Chargers in California. What are you looking forward to in this game? I hate the Chargers, by the way. I hate the Chargers, too. Did you I, catch any of the uh, the New Orleans San Diego Monday Nighter? I listened to the. I had a meeting that night, but I listened to the end of it on the radio. Uh, well, that was uh, Breeze got his record uh, record setting touchdown beating Definitely. Johnny Unitas. Yeah, I believe. What is that? How many games in a row has he had? He goes forty eight. Forty eight in a row. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Now, considering that the, the the league has changed quite a bit, and it's more of a passing league than it was when Unitas played, but. I mean, that's amazing. And, and the river, it, the, the Chargers don't exactly put the fear of God into you. I mean, not anymore. Right. And there was a time when they were the most talented team in the league. I mean, every, every year you would think the under, the most underachieving, but most talented team in the league was the, was the San Diego Chargers. And now they just don't, I, I don't know about you, but I, I just look at them and think, eh. Yeah, you're not afraid of them. Defensively, they got thrown all over the place by New Orleans, yeah. particularly Marcus Colston 
Marquise Colston, three touchdowns. Helped my fantasy team tremendously. Thank oh, you to great. him. <laughs> Love you for that first one of the season. Uh, then, but then you're looking at this, the San Diego team, defensively not very good. Offensively, the running game is almost non-existent for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ryan Matthews has been terrible. Uh, Ronnie Brown, terrible. The receiving game, they don't really have anybody that stands out there either. They're still using Antonio Gates as their primary receiver right. from that tight end spot. You know, they look for him everywhere. He's a beast. He could abuse, abuse the Broncos because, again, Joe May is unable to really cover anybody in the and secondary. Can't cover the tight ends. Yeah. I mean, the Broncos letting – I was listening to some talk today about uh, some kid from in, in Tampa Bay that's, you know, this outstanding cover linebacker yeah. that the Broncos could have selected instead of, you know, Brock Osweiler. Uh, Nuggets could have taken uh, Hightower, who's in New England. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's kind of here or there to play – you know, hindsight with the draft this early in anybody's yeah. career, especially with a quarterback, but yeah. just seems like the Broncos need to get a win this weekend. Philip Rivers, I would like to see Joe Mays do what he did to Matt Schwab against Philip Rivers. <laughs> Take out some of his ear, his nose, lips, eyes, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Render him senseless, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that or yeah, take out an ear. Well, that was a whole ear, I believe. That uh, Joe May not holier, but his ear lobe that uh, Joe May took off. Man, job. This is a big game this weekend, though, man. I mean, if, it you, is. if you're looking at it in regards to the AFC, this is when teams start getting separated. You know, if you look at the AFC West, New England's on top there. They're only three and two. Everybody else in that division, two and three, yeah. right in line with the Broncos. Yeah. The AFC North and AFC South boasting the two best teams, Baltimore at four and one, Houston five and zero. Oh. You know, those teams are going to start separating themselves from the pack. So Denver needs to stay either on pace with the Chargers so they can win the division or keep up with these other teams out West to, to get a wild card spot. Now, in yeah. the AFC, I mean, not the West, but a pretty big time coming up because this is when you do start to see teams starting to mesh, starting to get, you know, come together. And I think mm-hmm. the Broncos are right there, though. The, the, the Broncos just need to take care, from what I understand. They really need to just concentrate on winning the division. I mean, that, that really needs to be their sole, sole aspect. And I, I got to, you know, with Oakland and Kansas City being bad, yeah, it's just Kansas. It's just San Diego. San Diego hasn't really played anybody yet. They've had Not one really. tough opponent, two now, I guess, if you want to count the winless Saints, who are a good team, even though the record didn't indicate yeah. that. That's true. Uh, they played Atlanta at home. They got blown out. They go to New Orleans to get beat there. So, I mean, San Diego, like we've talked about, very average team. Very average. Not going to be... You know, not, yeah. They're not, well, you just don't look at them and think yeah, that's scary. I mean, that, I mean, two years ago, you know, you would say yeah, but not not anymore. They're just they're just so. I mean, the best way to say it is what we and the Denver Sifts we use the name we use for Wilson Chandler. It's kind of meh, you know. The name you use for Wilson Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite players on the team. <laughs> meh. Who was uh, not at practice today? He was uh, at the dentist. Can he practice? Oh wait, no, he, we got to get into that later. But yes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to this game this weekend, Monday night. No better. There's there's a curse and there's something great about Monday night football. The curse as a Broncos fan is you have to wait until freaking Monday night to yeah. watch it. Sunday's kind of a waste. You can, you know, I guess maybe just go somewhere that has the NFL ticket, catch a bunch of different games, not have to worry. It was a good Sunday night game with uh, Green Bay and Houston. That'll be good. But, you know, you get off work Monday, which is obviously the worst working day of the week, mm-hmm. and then you get to go home and watch the Broncos football, so that will be awesome. Yeah, well, I, I I like it. I think it'll be 
I think it'll be good to um, see these primetime games. I like them because it's just kind of like isolated. It's there. And you're not like watching a whole bunch of other, you know, crap before it and stuff like that. You're just really focused on that game and it builds the anticipation and it makes a letdown if they lose even, even bigger, you know? Yeah. But they got to get a win too for the fact of getting the first road win. They've lost to Atlanta and New England now on the road, both road games. Yep. Right? Yep. They have everything else has been at home. So they got to get back. I mean, they're traveling back across the country from New England to Denver to San Diego now, but. Got to get that first road win, man. Get that little monkey off your back. Yeah. Well, it helps that they're playing on Monday night then since they get that extra day to travel. And uh, that will help out actually considerably. And, and going west to east, excuse me, east to west is better than going west to east uh, by far. Did you see, I don't know if I can find the player really fast for the Broncos. Did you see the tweet? Was it is his name Nick Carter of the Broncos? Did you see this tweet that he sent mm-hmm. out? No. Let's see if I can pull it up real fast. Nick Carter. I could have the wrong guy. There's a tweet sent out by a Broncos rookie, and he said uh, something about going to a late-night movie in Denver. Hope you all pray for me, which is obviously has tie-ins well. to, the, uh, to the Aurora shooting here. He already <laughs> came out. I saw Lindsey Jones of the Denver Post had uh, written a little story about him coming out and apologizing for his tweet. <laughs> but why? Uh, I mean, why uh, do that? It, yeah, I mean, you're looking a little insensitive there. I mean, it's a it's a little little quick to be pulling that. We that all out. joke among friends. I mean, and, and sometimes it's dark humor, but don't put that crap on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, don't write that stuff on Twitter, man. <laughs> People, people read that. <laughs> I believe it might have been. I might have that name wrong. They, they don't read my tweets, but they read other people's tweets. Yeah, Twitter's kind of a crazy thing for that. Like, it's it's a good way to get some interaction with players, but it's also, I mean, for PR guys, it's got to almost be just a nightmare for them. Yeah, Tony Carter. Tony Carter. Yeah. Tony Carter, the at uh, a Florida State, I believe, the young cornerback for the yeah. Broncos. So he already sent out, I I am truly sorry for the insensitive and inappropriate comment I made last night. It will never happen again. No, I I probably won't, but geez, man. Is this as bad as... Use your head. Yeah, is this as bad, though, as, you know, say a player that has multiple DUIs that's had his suspensions increased? Is one comment, can you come back from that, apologize from that, and be right back? Uh, Yeah, you can. I mean, as long as he makes his apology, yeah, of course. It's just it's dumb. It's just dumb. Yeah. Stupid people. Yeah, not much to say about that. Big topic, though, for the Denver Broncos. Steve Atwater named to the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame. And i got to say, Jeff, it's about time. And it's also been a disgrace to see Noshan Moreno rocking number 27 in the Broncos' backfield. Yeah. They need to get that number. Retired. Onto the ring of fame. Yeah. Retire it, man. Well, it's, 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 it's kind of tough in football to retire a bunch of numbers, though, because you have is. 53 guys and 99 numbers you can wear, or 100, I guess, if you want to rock to zero. Well, it's great for Atwater. I mean, he was he he and Dennis Smith were my favorite Broncos. In the Atwater's probably already in the Ring of Fame, right? I should probably look that up because I'm pretty is sure he he's in, in the Ring of Fame. Is Dennis Smith in the Ring of Fame? I don't know. Let's see if we can look up Broncos <laughs> Ring of Fame real fast. We are doing a really bad, bad. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 
disservice to... That's what podcasts are all about, baby. Just being able to ramble about whatever. To Mr. Dennis Smith and Mr. Steve Atwater. I don't think Dennis Smith's in there. Steve Atwater is in there. Uh, Steve Atwater from 89 to 98 was honored in 2003. So he's been there since 2003. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Almost 10 years he's been in there. That's the the part that confuses me, though, is because sometimes I don't associate if his numbers, if his name is in the ring of fame, if I see his number on the field. You know, like you see number 30, you still see Terrell Davis's number. Terrell Davis's number should definitely be retired. Number 30 should be retired and number, I agree, number 27 should be, should be, because it's, you got. And 84 too, man. Shannon Sharp, you gotta retire. 84 has to be retired. I mean, it's just, uh, then tire suit 87 should be retired. You know, 80 should be retired. 87? For McCaffrey? McCaffrey. Yeah, I can Eddie, see that. Eddie Mac. Eddie and Mac. you could like put a put a can you know a, a squeeze bottle of mustard next to it. Yeah, two thousand one. By the way, Dennis Smith from eighty one to ninety four was so he is. So I, I apologize to Mr. Smith and Mr. Atwater for not knowing if you guys are in the Ring of Fame. My, my apologies. The week that we uh, interviewed Carl Mecklenburg on our show, I, I took some time and watched some old school highlights of uh, Mecklenburg, and of course, in those highlight films, you saw a lot of Dennis Smith too. Uh, Mecklenburg and especially Dennis Smith led with their head on, I would say, 90% of their tackles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, these guys were crushing dudes and just spearing people left and right. Like, that was the way to tackle back then. Well, it's just, it's the game's evolved, and, you know, and, and with a, a, whole, a subject that I was going to bring up to you, one that actually you brought up to me earlier, was talking about the, uh, the, uh, uh, Brian Cushing getting, uh, yeah, his ACL his torn ACL on that. ACL torn by on the offensive lineman. Yeah. yeah, the chop block, of course, made famous here in Denver under uh, Alex Gibbs and then uh, his protege, it, uh, Rick Dennison. Rick Dennison, who's yeah. now the uh, offensive line coach in Houston. It was offense, ironically. <laughs> yeah. So he's teaching guys to do that same move. Same so it's a little thing. hypocritical. It's, it is, but that it was off the the, the the thing that made it kind of cheap was it was off the ball. And it was away from the play, and it seemed kind of dirty. Yeah, and, I mean, the Texans, probably the best defense in the NFL right now, maybe right up there is San Francisco. Yep. And Cushing, amazingly enough, a backup linebacker in college at USC, gets drafted, and he's now easily one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Well, I guess it tells you how great a defensive coordinator Wade Phillips is. A man <laughs> who true. should never be a, a head coach ever. No. How he keeps getting head coaching jobs is beyond me. But I think he's probably done with that now. I would think. I would hope <laughs> so. I would hope so. But if Gary Kubiak gets fired, you know, you never know. Here's Wade Phillips, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting in the wings. <laughs> yes. Broncos should probably have brought no. Wade back here to coach defense, maybe get some stability there. Jack Del Rio's hasn't been uh, – I don't know what else he needs here as far as ingredients for what he wants to do, but I haven't been impressed. Well, they have no pass rush. I mean, just the pass rush is Amazingly anemic. enough because they have supposedly two of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Yeah, they just cannot get any pressure. I mean, uh, the worst the worst part about it was the New England game and the Houston game. They just could not get, other than when Joe Mays, you know, got you know in on Matt Schaub, there is no real pressure on the quarterback and it's just like you can't do anything you can't function as a defense if you can't get pressure on the quarterback what do these guys need steroids 
You need to pump these guys up. Some juice. Yes. Do the Sean Marion cocktail. <laughs> Some of that. <laughs> Merriman. Jerry used to watch, uh. Sean Marion. Jerry used to watch. Sorry to Sean Marion. I did not mean to associate you with Sean Merriman. Jerry used to watch that Gummy Bears, like cartoon or whatever, Bouncing Bears cartoon back in the day. Where those little, those little miniature bears would drink that little juice and then they'd just go, like, ape shit and they'd be bouncing off of everything. What was that? <laughs> well, it's the, it's the, <laughs> Sad before and after effects of steroids, obviously. <laughs> oh, man. All right, man, Broncos talk. You got anything else? Mm, that's about it for me. If Ross was here, we'd be, you know, spending another 35 minutes on it. So he'd find a, he'd find an angle. Talking about how depressed he was. Yeah, see. What... How he didn't watch the game on cable. <laughs> well, it's because they weren't in town. You know, he was able to, you know, go on his assignment tonight. Yeah, again, Ross Martin. Hope you're doing well down in Florida on assignment, bringing us back some uh, some killer stuff. Yes. When you get back next week, man. And we'll be right back talking a little Denver Nuggets basketball, the thing that we like to talk about most. Yeah, baby. Probably should have injected a little hip hop into that break right there because that's what the NBA is all about. <laughs> hip hop. Jeff Moore, big fan of the hip hop. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> uh, the only thing, it's just like it, the people on the, on Denver Stiffs always make fun of me for my lack of hip hop knowledge. So I'm such a big basketball fan and I, I, I know nothing. Literally nothing. But you know, you got, that's why we go to Nate Timmons for the, uh, He's, we call him Dr. Hip-Hop. <laughs> I was just reading one of uh, Benjamin Hockman's pieces on Andre Iguodala stepping up and becoming a leader and, mm-hmm. you know, with this and during training camp. And he had all these quotes from the 28-year-old Iguodala about how he doesn't know what these young guys are listening to. He doesn't know what they're talking about. I'm like, he's 28. <laughs> Nate Timmons, who just turned 30. <laughs> oh, I'm still I'm still deep in that ass game, but I think I'm I'm getting into old stuff. Like I said, I've been listening to a lot of Pastor Troy, whose right. best work was in the late 90s. So, well, you know, know, it's a I also the late 90s is when uh, uh, Master P came out too. Yeah, it's like, make him say, uh. Pastor Troy, though, very good <laughs> friend with uh, Clinton Portis, so that brings that into a little is Denver he, tie-in. For is you. he as weird as Clinton Portis? Yes, I would say so. <laughs> Little characters everywhere. Well, it's interesting. I, I listen. I, I've tried to educate myself on hip hop because I am you know, been covering um, the Nuggets intently for you know over two years now on Denver Stiffs, and I think that I should. I owe it to my readers to <laughs> to have some sort of knowledge of hip hop. But I try, and I just it's 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 like it. It cannot penetrate my brain. I did. Ross is the same way. Ross knows nothing about this. Yeah, I'm the same way. If you if you try to throw me into like some classic rock, like I'll I'll give it a try. I've heard a lot of uh, a lot of good talk about Leonard Skinner, so I downloaded uh, I think Freebird. Is that Leonard Skinner? Oh yes, with the uh, with the 25 minute guitar solo at the <laughs> end of the song. Yeah, I don't think I had that part in there. That sounds awful, but <laughs> no, no, I'm no exaggerating. Uh, okay. I was going to say, well, that's not unheard of for, for Well, yeah, for you, specifically like 70s rock, exactly, like you know, Yes or something. Yeah, so I jump into a little bit of that from time to time, and I'm just like, you know, probably like you with hip-hop, I'm just like, yeah, this isn't going down. It's well, yeah, going but you're not exclusively hip-hop, though. I mean, no, not at all. Big Springsteen fan. 
Love well, me see, some. Uh, Springsteen is classic rock. You know, you could talk. Uh, Springsteen. That's true. Love Springsteen. I love uh, my Irish music. Natalie oh, yes. McMaster really yeah, good. That's love Irish music too. Yep. See, this is also the Irish podcast because Nate and I are both Irish. So. Yeah, Ross could be. Ross might be like Nordic. I think actually. I think he said that before. Is he? That's right. He is. It's kind of like right. a Viking. If you ever see him, folks, yeah, you probably meet him at Stiff's Night Out. We'll get him to come back out mm-hmm. to one of those. We've got to put pictures of Ross up on the up on the Cobra Sports guys. There's some Nordic there. Ross. We got a few. Uh, is there pictures of Ross? With us? Yeah, early early on, we were taking some pictures while doing the show or right after of ourselves. And then we realized people mm-hmm. probably don't want to see us. Well, I don't need to see him again because I, I know what Ross looks like. But you know, <laughs> if I ever forget what Ross looks like, I will look up the pictures on the Cobra Sports guys. So we've been uh, we've been talking a little bit. With Nugget season, I'll talk. We'll, we'll stay a little off topic for a minute. We've um, been talking about doing on Denver Stiffs a little bit of some some video posts. Yes, where we would be showing our ugly mugs oh. on on air. Are you excited about that at all? How well, that? Uh, I've got a I've got a face for radio, so of course I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, it, it's so funny now in like today's media. Like everybody will tell you, like when we talked to you know when you sat with us and we interviewed Mark Spears, you know he mm-hmm. told us you got to be ready to to write, to yep. be on TV, to do basically anything that anyone would ask you to do. So That's right. I think it'll be good practice for us. It'll well, we, be fun, perhaps. Uh, SB Nation's moving that direction. We need to be. We have a SB Nation and Denver Stiffs is the place. Basically, you go for Nuggets information. And if we can further that and help people out by doing video, anything sort of interactive like that, why not? You know, I'll I'll, I'll put them on makeup to uh, to do to do a video. <laughs> I'd put on makeup anyway. Well, those are like the two things you need, right? Maybe you might need a little makeup unless you have uh, some great lighting. But some then you foundation. always have to worry about uh, the background. Like you see blogger videos, That's and right. the backgrounds can go from literally looking like you're in an unfinished basement to just like a white wall to sometimes if you try to put something behind you, it can look kind of cheesy. Yeah. You really got to find the, the right mix there of your background. Like That's well, what's – as soon as I heard about the video post, I was like, I got I to gotta figure out something for a background. Well, I, I was just thinking about that too because the three of us, you, um, Andrew Feinstein, and me – um, you know, you and I are both of Irish descent and Andy is, you know, kind of like us in that sense of its skin tone is probably not the most, uh, rich. <laughs> I get tan. I fake baked for like a month before I went to Vegas. I was pretty dark. It was awesome. Did you? Oh yeah. I was in that fake tanning bed like three, four times a week, man. Where are you? Lathering up with whatever. I have to remember that. They gave me. You know, give you shit for having, for looking orange. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't get orange. I'd turn a nice, nice golden brown. That's like you toast, toast yourself, <laughs> nice. toast yourself with a nice chemical peel. Very, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> you know, maybe for that, we're going to do a Nuggets preview, though. We're going to video blog that. Maybe we just come down here. But I'll bring our laptops and do well, the, the Google Hangout here. That's just got some good walls here, actually, now that I think about it. It's a thing, but nice backgrounds we can use. Yeah, if you can't tell, I'm concerned about these backgrounds. Very concerned about <laughs> these backgrounds. Well, we could do it. I, listen, it's a, at Jake's Food and Spirits, it's a great location to do these, these, these things. And, um, I think it's a good opportunity for us to reach other people. And then we will let everyone know on Denver Stiffs when we do that sort of thing. And, uh, it'll be a nice little treat for everyone. Yeah, it should be fun. All right, man. Nuggets kick off the preseason. 
at the Mandalay Bay Event Center in Las Vegas. They win, if you want to call a preseason game thrilling, you can call it thrilling. They win 106-104, to two layups in under 10, under 10 seconds left in the game, two layups. One by Eric Bledsoe, one by Ty Lawson. One to tie the game by the Clippers and then Lawson mm-hmm. with just three, what, 3.7 seconds left? 3.7 and did it right as time expired. From the top of the key yep. to under the cup. Yep. Pretty amazing. Great drive, nice assertive drive did by Did you time. notice who was on the floor? You mentioned to me who wasn't on the floor, but did you notice who was on the floor on that play? Uh, for the Nuggets? We're yes. talking uh, Ty, Gallo, JaVale McGee. Yep. And Ken Freed. Ken Freed. So you had McGee and yeah. Freed out there who Carl at Media Day, his press conference said, wasn't sure how often the young guys were going to be out there to close out games. Interesting. Because of the young guys. I didn't pay that close attention to it. Now, could part of that be that Iguodala was and uh, Chandler? Uh, Chandler, of course, playing. didn't play. Andre Miller didn't play. Andre so. Miller wasn't in there. So, I mean, obviously that would probably affect it. But it was nice. It was nice that uh, Carl showed some faith in, uh, in Fareed and uh, McGee, who played awful in that game. But he um, was in there at the end of the game, which is no greater sign of confidence than that. Yeah, and I compared that game a lot to the Cleveland game from earlier in the year where we saw Kyrie Irving hit a layup late to give the Cavs a lead. It's a disappointing game. And then Ty Lawson took the ball, took it right to the hole, and actually missed the layup. I thought he got bodied a little bit by Irving, but he missed the layup to win that game. This was, I think, almost a mirror image of that. But it was good to see the Nuggets have a preseason game and get to practice such a crucial point. Well, and and what I liked personally, I mean, people who read Denver Stiffs know I'm a little hard on Ty Lawson, mostly because I, I... I just see him not being assertive. A lot of turnovers by Ty. A lot of turnovers. And it wasn't a good game by Ty. Overall, it was not a good game for Ty. Yeah, only eight points. Only eight points. A lot of turnovers. He gets six turnovers. Yeah, six turnovers. Six for him, four for Anthony Carter. Well, that's another subject. But um, it is just a... uh, it, It was good to see him being assertive at that moment in time, although he had a bad game. But I think that... It was good to see. I mean, I'm heartened to see those things. I like seeing those things from Ty. I just wish he would be consistent and do it all the time because there are times that you just, there's several games where you're thinking, just do what you were doing before. Please just do what you were doing the last game. Yeah. And we would be like crushing these people like that. We surprised at all that Carl used basically everybody except Quincy Miller that he had available. I'm a little surprised. Even, even that Fournier Quincy played about seven minutes. Played about seven minutes. I, I was surprised that we didn't see Quincy Miller in the game. Yeah. Uh, cool. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I mean, you would know this a little better than me. How has he looked in practice? He's been pretty good. Um, I, I've heard that he looked a little bit better earlier in the practices, like earlier this week, and that he's kind of, you know, maybe he's going to have ups and downs and maybe right now but we're watching today and he's out there you know they let us in with about seven minutes left in their scrimmage and Quincy Miller checks in and he's being guarded by Andre Iguodala so you know he's got 28 year old you know all defensive player covering him and he's a 19 year old kid like man it doesn't get any harder than that does it yeah, uh, that's true. And you know, I was just thinking about this. Iguodala is six six, right? Right? He's listed at six six. Iguodala is taller than Kenneth Fareed. Okay, okay. I was thinking about that because I was thinking about the picture. 
of of them standing that you put on posted on face on Facebook. Well, that too, but on uh, on Denver Stiffs of them standing in that V shape, and I'm thinking. Oh yeah, Iguodala looks taller than Fareed. He is. We saw, I saw it today. They were walking down court, mm-hmm. or jogging down court side by side, and I turned to Matt Moore and I was like, "Iguodala's bigger than Kenneth Fareed." He's like, "Yeah,", yeah. yeah and he's going to play shooting guard for this Nuggets team. Shooting guard. Well, I mean, there's a lot of interchangeable parts of it. I mean, that's another subject all for completely all together. But you know, I was thinking when they when they're playing it, this is off, this is kind of off the beaten path here, but. You know, I go to Vegas quite frequently, as you know. Vegas, <laughs> and so do you. Yeah. And um, summer league 2013, looking out for you. <laughs> yes. If you got a room. Well, hopefully, hopefully we can go. I know. I'll, hopefully, I'll be there for my annual trek this December. But I think so. If you got a room, let me know. <laughs> I I usually stay when I'm going to looking for <laughs> a cheap hotel on the Strip. I stay at uh, the Excalibur. And you want to stay close to the Thomas and Mack Center too, because mm-hmm. taxis. So oh, yeah, exactly. Well, I usually stay at the at the at the Excalibur, and the Excalibur is right next to the Mandalay Bay. And I was the entire time I was thinking, I've never seen an event center at the Mandalay Bay. <laughs> I had I don't no, know where they put these things. I had no idea it was there. The Mandalay Bay, Bay Bay Bay. You know. I think it seats, I think I was told in between 9,000 and 11,000, something like that. Something like that. I was like, where did they put it? Yeah. I, I, I swear to God, I've been to Vegas. By comparison, the Pepsi Center is 19,000, but I mean, 11,000 is a big venue. That's a big venue for, for, uh, something that's adjacent to a casino. Yeah. And, and, and a hotel. And I was like, where is this? I, the entire, in fact, uh, before I found out they were going to do it, they were going to do it uh, in the event, this event center area. I, when they said on the strip, I thought they were going to close off a section. That's of the what strip I was thinking too. And just have play them outside. playing on the outside on the strip, which would have been wonderful. Yeah, but I guess they didn't do that. But anyway, that's that's just was my thought. Did you see, uh, I, I'd heard, I was told that the Clippers were going to be uh, providing the court for this game, which didn't seem to be the case because the court they did have was, you know, the hardwood and it was mainly black and white paint with Mandalay Bay tagging all over it. So I, I believe that they may they may have just have bought their been. own basketball court. I don't know. Must have been. I mean, I, I was wondering uh, why they well, I, I like the spectacle of it going on the strip and I, I don't like the, you know, NBA players tend to you know, have a good time sometimes and going to Vegas. It's a good thing it's not regular season and something like that. Just young kids though, man. They gotta get out there and have some fun with those. Uh, Why do you make all that money if you can't go blow it in Vegas? Sometimes I go to (laughs) Vegas. I'm not sure I can come back. You know, you come back and you're like, regular life doesn't mean anything anymore. I've just, (laughs) I've just spent, I've just spent four days in this. In adult uh, Disneyland. In adult Disneyland. (laughs) And now I come back and how do I adjust to regular life? You know, you start, you, you get off the plane and you're like, cuddling in the corner, you know, shivering, like, <laughs> yeah. a, like, like going through withdrawal. But anyway. One of the first days I rode back, uh, you know, we'd spent the weekend, you know, drinking, having fun. Yeah. And this older guy next to me was drinking um, 
I think he was drinking margaritas the whole way back. And I just like couldn't <laughs> hardly st- I was like, are you seriously? How could you do that? And I was like trying not to just like vomit all over myself. You know, I'm just like, please, man, like I don't even want to see this right now. <laughs> well, people don't, people don't want to know what I do in Vegas, but I, I, I won't tell anyone because what stays there, obviously, but. Heard something about grape vodka, maybe? Is that true? <laughs> grape, grape <laughs> vodka at a, yes. If they if 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 a club ever says to you, "We'll let you buy this bottle for a hundred bucks," you in can Vegas? sit in the VIP area. Yeah, you do that all day, and then you do it. But be sure and understand that when they say all we have left is grape vodka, you understand that the quality of alcohol you're getting is not the highest in the world, and they're overcharging you big time for a bottle, obviously. But there was no one in the freaking club. Yeah. So we're sitting in a VIP area, you know, how they do, you know, sitting back and like, hey. <laughs> and, uh, people are like, you know, they're like five people standing at the bar thing and who do these people think they are? <laughs> my, <laughs> friends, big time. <laughs> my friends were just out there, um, went to a bachelor party over the summer and then a couple weeks later, a bunch of my buddies went back for another, uh, event and my friend had laid down around one in the morning, 600 bucks for a bottle. That they were in VIP and they needed to reload on the bottle. So my friend just was like, forget it. I'll, I'll buy one. So he bought like a $600 bottle. They bring it over, set it. The gal sets it down, takes like one step back. And one of my friends backed into it, oh. knocked it off the table, and it broke, shattered on the floor. And they looked at the gal like, now what? And she's just, we'll get somebody to clean that up. And my buddy's like, and replace it? No. God, if you're like, how do you not replace? Like, how do they not just charge you like a hundred bucks to replace it? Like, they should have been like, yeah, we'll give you, we'll let you replace it for like a hundred bucks. Well, you know, drinking on the on anywhere on the strip is going to be outrageous. <laughs> That's crazy. Though, there's man. one one club that I go to, and I won't mention the name, but I there's one club I go to, and it's just that we I get vodka Red Bulls because I do a lot of dancing, and it is insane <laughs> what they charge you, and you're like. But at, by the time you're into your seventh vodka Red Bull, you don't care anymore. And then, then you get the the uh, credit card bill later, and you're like, "What the hell?" Did I do? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, this is what the Nuggets have driven us to talking, yes, we're about, talking about Vegas, Vegas. because it's, it's just so much fun. Uh, if you're not 21 and listening to this, yeah, you're gonna you're, have a great time in a few years. Whenever you get there, you're missing out. You're missing out. But fun, you'll, but... you'll find out later. You will find out. So I want to talk a little bit. I'm kind of uh, I'm working on a little something on Denver Stiffs. Yeah. Focusing on on the big guys on the team, we see you know at media day people ask. So George, you'd mentioned you know Timothy Mozgov starting. You you know what about Javale McGee? You're paying him 11 million bucks a year. George throws everybody a curveball and goes ahead and puts Costa Kufis in the starting lineup, yeah. which we saw last year towards the end of the season as a regular thing. I think Costa started the last 10 or 15 games, right somewhere That's around right. there. Yeah. Uh, Costa plays. He plays well. I think he scored six points and had seven rebounds, something like that. Yeah. Uh, only played 15 minutes, so for that, you know, little bit of time, he's showing a lot of good production. Yeah. You're a big Costa Kufis fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl played, he played all three guys pretty even time. Yeah, he did. But he did play all three. Who do you, who do you like to win this job, or who do you think is, uh, what's your feeling on the Nuggets big guys? Eventually, uh, JaVale McGee is going to have to assert himself and, and say, this is mine. He's right. going to have to do that. He's just going to have to be, JaVale McGee is going to have to be the guy. But it's uh, what Carl has basically said is, 
I will not, you are not bestowed this job. You are not given this job. You are, you have to earn it even though you got a contract uh, that's 11 million per. And that actually I think is good because it'll allow um, JaVale McGee to assert himself more, which he needs to do. And it'll, it'll, it'll hone things up because I think eventually if, if, if the potential works out with JaVale, he will win it. Timo, I, he just frustrates me. The thing I like about Timo is he has the ability out of all three big guys, he has the ability to step on the outs, outside of the paint and hit yeah. shots. Yeah, he has a good, he's got a good mid-range, um, shot. And his, his defense isn't bad either. His one-on-one defense is, you know, when he covers the pick and roll, his lateral movement, not the best in the world. He's, he's kind of slow-footed. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's a little slow there, but, you know, he can, he can hit the outside shots and he'll always have a job in the NBA, I think, because of that. As long as he's willing to, to stick around, there's room for a seven-footer that can hit, hit yeah. shots and rebound and come off the bench, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of torn on Timo now as a big Timo supporter, but 26 years old, you kind of, you know, you're starting to get to 27, which is that yeah. you are what you are at 27. And to me, he's looking like he's not going to be much more than a backup center. Well, what do you, okay, well, as someone who is not necessarily the biggest fan of uh, Costa Cufas, what you've seen, what do you think the, the team sees in Costa? That he is able to do that the other two can't right now. I think Coast is probably just going to be your most consistent guy. I mean, yeah. I think he's the guy that you're going to be able to play, and you're going to know that he's going to be. He's easy. Like, I don't know about consistent. I yeah. don't know what other word to use there. Yeah. I guess besides, you know, he's gonna he's gonna do exactly what you want him to do too. I think he's very coachable. Yeah. I think he's a guy where that you say, hey, we want you to set screens. We want you to yeah. roll to the hole on offense after you set that screen. Yeah. And defensively, you know, mm-hmm. play the pick and rolls, play lockdown defense on your guy in the post, get rebounds. And I think Costa's mindset now is that's all he needs to do. But at the same time, you know, I don't I don't know if I wasn't I don't know why I liked Mozgov a little bit more than Costa. I think maybe I just had seen more of his highlights and whatnot, so I kind of was like, wow, Mozgov looks athletic. He's dunking. He can shoot outside. Well, give yourself more credit, though, because uh, Mozgov has the talent to be a good center. He, does. he has the talent. He's got a couple fatal things. Stone hands, unfortunately, which makes them not throw the ball to the him. The funny thing is, though, he can he catches those alley-oops. Like, he catches the easy. alley-oops, but if for some reason he has trouble with the down-the-lane passes, the I'm cutting on a pick-and-roll yeah, and anything, I'm going back, back. Anything like waist-level, yeah. it's it seems difficult for him. If you can get it up by his face and above his head, he seems yes. fine with it. And the, the lower the lower passes on the pick, specifically the pick-and-rolls, where you got to have the lower pass, are yeah, the bounce pass. The bounce pass yeah. are just he just can't handle them. So what happens is that they just don't throw him the ball. I, you know, there are times where you see, um, um, J- or excuse me, uh, Mozgov with his, or uh, as Ralph Lawler called him, Moshkov. <laughs> Moshkov. <laughs> um, as you are, you can see him with his hands in the air, and no one's around him within five feet, and he doesn't get the ball. Yeah, and it's just like I think. In that sense, they lost trust in him because he's fumbled away the ball so often. But he, I know what you see in him because he has the talent. 
I, I mean, you see it, I see it, most people see it. And he's a physical player. He likes mm-hmm. to body up on defense. He likes to play he's physical. He's a big guy. He's, I mean, he's huge. Yeah. He's a massive guy. He's thick. He's got, you know, the perfect NBA body for a center. He's athletic. He runs the court pretty well for a big guy, too. Very well, actually. He finishes off fast breaks with those alley-oops, you know, as good as anybody else on the team. Yes, he does. But if you look at those three centers, like, you know, JaVale McGee, what is he, 24, 24 years old, insanely athletic, all the potential in the world, needs to learn how to play a little bit more physically. Yeah. And with more consistency. Force. And he's also got to, you know, he's got to work on those, on on the post moves that he's been learning. We saw him today in practice. He, he's got a, he was running baseline, cutting down baseline, taking some passes. He, I think, I don't know if it's Iguodala. Somebody fed him off the baseline and he put it right in Mozgov's face, just stuffed it. Right. So, I mean, it was one of those moves where, he, not Mozgov, I think they're on the same team. I think it was on, I think it was on Kufis. Kufis, yeah. But he put it right in and it's like you see flashes of him with his aggression and you're like, wow, that's, if he learns how to do that consistently, He'll be an all-star. Game five, he was that aggressive. Right. You know that 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 uh, loose ball that he chased down and then he dunked over uh, Gasol. I mean, that was a great that was a great hustle play on his part, and he was very aggressive. But he just like the last game it was just it made you wonder what the heck he was doing. I mean, it was just like this, and this is the part of. I mean, I think he'll get it together. I mean, if people want to know what I think personally about JaVale, I think he will piece it together. But the thing that scares me about him, though, like when I when I talked to him at media day and he, you know, reiterated that his goal is to lead the NBA and block shots. I can't stand that mentality. I mean, I just I, I the reason I can't stand it is because I think that it leaves him vulnerable to playing bad defense too yeah. much. He's leaving gonna, his man, and you yeah. saw that in the Clippers game where he was, you know, going out of position and out of his way to try to block shots. Yeah. And it's like that's not the best basketball play. And the coaching staff is probably trying to drill that into his head that, you know, the best basketball play is to stay on your guy. But I mean, looking at your looking at your three centers, JaVale McGee has a potential to be an All Star. He has a potential to be one of the top five best centers in the league right now. I mean, he could get right in there after. Basically, after Dwight Howard and probably you know Andrew Bynum, you look at Marcus Saul. He could he could move up to he he could be right in those guys' world if he yeah. if he can figure it out. He's got the talent. Yeah, and if you look at Costa Kufis, Costa Kufis is going to be somebody that's always going to be consistent. He's been putting up uh, incredible rebounding rates. Mm-hmm. You know, he's I, a great offensive rebounder. I mean, fantastic offensive rebounder. That's the thing I like about Kuskufus the most is that he's tenacious on the offensive boards. Really I was just telling you today too. We're, we're watching him in that little five-minute span, and he had eight points. He yeah. had three offensive rebounds. Uh, went back up strong with like two of them. Had another little tip in. Then he had another post move where he scored and had an and one. He had eight points in five minutes. He's like a garbage guy. I mean, he gets he clicks he clicks. Picks up the garbage. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, garbage good guy. Yeah, and in the best way possible. That is. I mean, that's not a that's not a put down of of Kufus, but I mean, you need guys who will be able to be that tenacious near the basket, and guys that will extend possessions, which has been the Nuggets problem for years. Oh yeah, is they haven't had you know more than you could say you know Chris Anderson, maybe Kenyon Martin that were hitting the offensive glass. Now you have obviously you're going to have McGee that's going to do that. Kenneth Freed, monster on the glass. Jordan Hamilton, the guy that's showing that he can rebound. And then, you know, Costa, if he's going to be living under there, that's just going to be amazing. But I think, you know, so with McGee, you have all-star potential. I think with Costa, you have somebody that could 
legitimately start. He's only 23 years old. And this guy right now is playing at a pretty high level for being 23. He's battling with, you know, these NBA guys. He's starting games. He's only going to get better in the next three or four years. It's pretty exciting because yeah. I think he has, outside of him and McGee, have the most ceiling. Yeah. Timothy Mozgov is kind of, you know, he's got the talent to do it, but he's not. You know he's he's having the most trouble. I think. Yeah. I think if you rated the Nugget centers, it's gonna it's gonna be Mozgov and it's gonna be Kufis and McGee a little bit ahead of Mozgov right now. Yeah, I think I I would, I would agree with that assessment. I mean that's that's well a little off the subject with the big guys. What do you think of uh, Hamilton, uh, Jordan Hamilton? Love Jordan Hamilton. Just like if you look at him physically from last season to this season, he looks like a different player. He doesn't even look the same. Yeah, I, I liked what I saw, but I, I you may not like this description. But I'm seeing J.R. Smith in him, and I'm seeing a very valuable commodity as the as a potential six man for him. I think so too. I think that's it's you know right where he is right now, and I yeah. think it's funny because he goes like six seven six eight, yeah, and he's athletic, but he's not like that silky athletic. Like yeah, he's, he's not. He's not. He's not a two guard athletic. Like you when know, you watch yeah. Andre Iguodala play, he's got like a smoothness about his game. Yeah. Um, Wilson Chandler, kind of the same thing. He's got a little bit of smoothness to his game. Hamilton, kind of more in that Gallinari line where he's kind of a little, yeah. a little stiff, but he's still athletic. Yeah. But he looks, you know, he's, he's put on muscle. He's lost a lot of his, his, his fat that he did have. I mean, yeah. George Carl said, you know, when I saw this guy without a shirt the first time, I was like, yeah, you need a, some muscle. And then Steve Hess had talked about, wow, he's, you know, he's starting to get like a, some abs and he's bragging about his abs. And, mm-hmm. but he just looks different. He's playing aggressive. He's going to be a guy that, you know, from his past of playing center, he's a good rebounder. So he's a good rebounder. He's got to work, I think, his biggest. He's a good rebounder and a great shooter, yeah. but he really needs to work on, you know, defense. And then also, he can't just be a three point shooter. Like yeah. with this, with this offense, the dribble drive offense, he's going to have to get to the hole. But he does that too. I mean, he's, he's he can drive the ball. I think the Nuggets. It's going to take, take him some. Time it's going to take him some time. But I think the Nuggets want him to be primarily looking at it. He they want him to fill the J.R. Smith role. To be honest, J.R. Smith that, and probably Aaron Aflalo a little bit too. Maybe, maybe. But as basically the guy who comes in off the bench and is the spark plug. Because he really was the spark plug for the team on, in that game, the, the Clippers game. And that's kind of what he did at Texas. I mean, he was their, their scoring threat. Yeah, and that, I think, is is because the starting lineup flows really well with the way they've got it constituted right now with Ty, or who are uh, with Kufus, uh, Gallinari, um, Fareed, and uh, Iguodala. Uh, and they look like they can handle their their stuff, and it, it was it was great. Gallinari was getting assists. Um, he had like five, four or five assists in the game. I think he had five. Um, so you got not only Ty dishing assists in the starting lineup, but you got got Gallinari, and then you got um, Iguodala's athleticism, which was I think you're going to be. Our listeners are going to be incredibly surprised by Andre Iguodala's playmaking ability yeah. too. He, this guy's passing ability is pretty amazing. He, he and what I noticed in the game, he and Gallinari had a nice chemistry with passing each other with the ball. They knew where each other was on the court. Because I always say this about Gallo, and everyone on Stiffs knows that I'm a, I'm a Gallinari fan. And when I say this about Gallo, is he's got incredible court vision, and and he knows where people are around the basket, and he will get them. The first assist he had, he wrapped it around a player and threw it to Kenneth Fareed. 
just right right there to the basket. He knows where everyone yeah, that is. Play against the Celtics, where he went behind the back. Where he went behind the back. He knows <laughs> where everyone is, and, yeah. and and the Nuggets will tell you he sometimes overthinks things, which is sometimes the curse of that kind of thing. But or you want to make like you know the right play, and you're looking for the right yeah, play a lot. Overthinking. I, mean, I think of a thousand different scenarios when you don't really need to. But aside from the starting lineup, the point the point generally would be that. The Nuggets, if they could, I think the key this year is there's a couple different keys. Um, I think the key is if they can identify Jordan Hamilton as that J.R. Smith-ish kind of guy, they have basically a more athletic version of the 2008-2009 team. Because Melo was not athletic. He was just, let's face it, Melo was not it's not quote an athlete. He has an innate ability to score. Yeah. But he was not an athlete. Now, if you have athletic players at each position and you have their roles that are similar to that, like you know, like um, Ty, Andre Miller, all that stuff, then this team will be dangerous. And then you can get into John Hollinger's, you know, kind of overly optimistic 59, <laughs> 59 wins. wins. <laughs> yeah, we see three different things. We saw John Hollinger saying 59 wins. Pro Basketball Talk comes out with 51 wins. And then there's some odds coming out of Vegas. Uh, one gambling site had it admits that 48 and a half is the over-under. Over-under, yep. So, I mean, that's everybody's – that's kind of the scary thing. Even Carl touched on this in a, in a press conference saying – you know, the summer talk, everybody likes us this summer, and everybody's looking for us to do good, and it's kind of, you know, the Nuggets do have, I think it's a good thing to have some expectations and to have, to not be a team that's going to sneak up on everybody. Yeah. You know, they're being talked about as being, you know, Hollinger said second in the West behind the Spurs. Yep. So, I mean, they're projecting anywhere from, you know, Hollinger's second to everybody else kind of saying maybe three, maybe four, five, like right in there. Probably I haven't heard anything really under four and five, though. The wild card is your boy Chandler. Yeah, I would agree. I think depending on how he comes back, you know, in his limited limited play last year, you could tell that he wasn't comfortable and he was very rusty. Um, and then he had the hip. That was weird, too, because he was, it wasn't like he was coming from off the street. He'd been playing in China. Yeah, I think he sat for a month. After a camp, no, not maybe three weeks or Couple something like weeks, that. Yeah. yeah, and it was, it was, it was. You saw him in those games, and you know he was hitting some shots, but then he faded so fast. But he probably developed the hip injury in China, so he comes back. He's not one hundred percent, so you really can't glean anything from his brief stint with the Nuggets last year. I mean, you just can't. But you can also. But this year, once he rehabs, will be. And interesting to see how he integrates into the Nuggets because there's a lot of trade rumors about him. I don't personally don't think that they're going to trade him. I don't have really any intent to trade him right now. And the Nuggets are going to ride with this team as is. And we're going to see how they're going to approach this specifically. But I think him, Chandler, how he plays will have a great impact on how far the Nuggets go, personally. I think you look at this, the, the second unit for the Nuggets, it's going to be comprised of Andre Miller, Jordan Hamilton, probably JaVale McGee, and then you're going to look at, you know, Wilson Chandler is that, that big time, like you said, X-Factor off the bench that, yep. you know, the Nuggets had Al Harrington come off the bench last year and average, what, 15, 14, 15 points a game? Yeah. So it's like you have to replace that. You can't 
And a lot of people want to see Chandler traded, and it's like, well, who are you going to bring in, and who's going to be, you know, your bench scoring threat? Like, mm-hmm. Hamilton's probably going to at least need this season to try to figure that role out. He's going to Hamilton, I think, is going to fight for time with when he, he, he really seriously he's going to try have to try to fight, and he's going to have to do a Fareed, basically force himself into, into the, the into the lineup. Yeah, but otherwise, that's Chandler's job to lose, and it's far the way they're 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 set up right now and i i have no reason to doubt that chandler can't excel i mean he is he we saw what he could do in 2011 we saw that defensive ability we saw all that stuff and i i have all the 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 confidence that he would be able to do exactly what he did then you know and i still wonder with him too if he's going to be accepting of that role off the bench is he going to be accepting of that manu ginobili james harden type of sixth man role you know is that going to be something that's going to suit him or is he a guy that needs to start and play you know 30 minutes a game or is he going to be okay playing you know 25 to 30 or i don't know how it's going to work out for him but did he start ahead of gallo uh in new york i think that they started together didn't they did they have him at two i think for a stretch they had him or landry fields Oh, wait a minute. No, they had Gallo probably playing the four then. I think they had Gallo at the four because mm-hmm. I think they started Amari at five. And, and, and Mar- Amari at the center. So and actually, rolled, that wasn't a bad team. Yeah, it was like Felton, Landry Fields, Chandler, Gallo, and Amari. Yeah, that actually, when you think about it, that Knicks team wasn't that bad. Dude, I, I liked watching <laughs> that Knicks team a lot. I mean, remember you and I, okay, okay, this is some inside pool here. I was watching the Knicks versus the Celtics before the trade, before the Carmelo Anthony trade. Yeah, big time game. Big time game. And I was I was pointing out how much I like at back then my man crush on uh on Gallinari and but we're talking about that thinking, God, you know what? This team is pretty good the way they are. What what do they <laughs> yeah. need Carmelo Anthony at all? No. Especially if you had to give up so much to get him oh, too. Man, it was like your, your entire team. Yeah, if you could if you could have swapped like you know, Chandler for Mello if you're in New York. You know, if you could swap Chandler and some draft picks and maybe get a third team involved. But at the same time, for the Nuggets, it's like, uh, you know, Carmelo's, you know, top two or three best scorers in the league. Like, we're not going to give him away. Yeah, so, I mean, you... I mean, he single-handedly last year won that Bulls game. and uh, One of the best games of the year I saw when they were playing the Bulls. But to, to be honest with you, he's not, you know, as limited as Mello is. I Like, as I've said to people before, I'm not the Mello... Disliker, I, I I actually will always be grateful to Carmelo for restoring the Nuggets to 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 a viable franchise, and but even I know his limitations. Yeah, and it clear it was clear to me that Knicks didn't, or at least James Dolan didn't. Are you worried at all about uh, about Anthony Carter making this team? Anthony Carter saw a lot of minutes. He'd be the do third that, point guard. Do you think that Anthony Carter? <laughs> Saw so many minutes in Vegas because George was trying to simulate what we'd see out of Andre Miller. Probably. I mean, I, I don't. Well, the only way that he makes his team right is if they actually cut Julian Stone. Because yeah. they can't just they, option yeah. somebody to the D League to open up a roster spot. They'd actually have to cut. They would have to cut Stone. Somebody. Yeah. And you'd have to cut Quincy Miller, who, I mean, I can't him. see that happening. Unless, or Julian Stone. Unless there's something that we don't know about, I don't see them. I don't see them. I mean, do you? I mean, I I can't see a I, space for no, them. No, I, I don't. I, the only the only thing I really see is, I, I think they do kind of the Stacey Augman thing where they 
you know, tell Anthony Carter, you know, it's great to have you here in camp. If you can't catch on with another team, you're welcome to come back here and join our bench as a coach. Yeah. But I, I think AC might, you know, he, he could still get a feeler from somebody out there, and I think it's actually an asset to have him in camp. I mean, to because he's yeah. going to work his butt off, and the young guys are going to see him working, and he's going to be able to tell them at his age what he's had to do to survive in the NBA, and he's going to be nothing but a great teacher for those every, kids. Every team needs a hard worker who throws balls into the 10th row. And <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, but, you know, all kidding aside, it is it, – he is a he's a good basketball player in a sense that he works hard and is tenacious and will will have a can work with point guards like young point guards and stuff like that. As a coach, I would think he would be probably a very valuable asset. Um, I think as a player, you're when you're a point guard at forty, unless you're Steve Nash, you really I don't I don't see the point. And I think the Nuggets have something. Nice and Julian Stone. They got a big six foot seven inch kid that's you know eats and breathes and lives basketball. Yeah. And I think you know defensively he's good. He's a he's got a great court vision. He's been working on his shooting game. I think it would be a detriment to let him go at this point mm-hmm. without seeing what we have out of him. So I, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. Big talk on the Nuggets, Jeff. We want to take a little short one. We'll come back, wrap this thing up, and maybe get into a little movie talk. Woo! Want we'll to do that? All yeah. Right. Let's do it. All right. Nuggets are going to be playing the Spurs on October 12th Spurs. in San Antonio. Their first home game won't be, I believe, until the 15th. Big preseason showdown. Yeah. I think there's like six more preseason games. I think they play seven total. So I don't know why they don't cut that down to like four or five. That's too many preseason games. Yeah. We'll take a real short one. You'll see how short right after this. We'll come back, talk a little bit of uh, randomness, and wrap this thing up. Yeah. Music, very quiet there, Jeff. Not sure if anybody heard it. We'll play it again. Playing it. That's what happens when you have me in here producing this thing sometimes without <laughs> testing that one clip that I wanted to play. <laughs> All right, dude. So off your recommendation, um, I was hanging out with my sister. We decided after watching some uh, an abundance of movie previews, I was wanting to watch a documentary about a MMA fighter and his brother or best friend who's a surfer. Sister didn't go for that, so we decided to go with Cabin in the Woods, the horror film recommended by Jeff Morton. Recommended by Jeff. That turned out to be perhaps the weirdest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I should know better than is to recommend to- a movie like that to you because I did. I, I was like, this is a guy. This is a guy who likes the. Likes the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. I, I. It's because I live my life one quarter mile at a time. <laughs> yes, yeah. you do. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, uh, so was this recently fast, in theaters? Too this, furious. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> was this recently just out of theaters? Is it new to pay-per-view? Uh, it is. It came out earlier this year. Okay. And, uh, basic premise, I mean, I can't reveal too much, but it's, it sets up like a standard horror film. If it's on pay-per-view, we can spoil it the hell out of it. I don't care. Uh, it, it's just, it sets up as the random, uh, horror film, you know, just yeah, basic kids. scenario, kids going to a cabin in the woods. Yeah, know, college kids college want kids. to take a little bit of vacation. My cousin's got a house out in the mountains. Yep. We can go to the lake. Mm-hmm. can ride my dirt bike for some reason that I'm going to take. 
didn't make a whole lot of sense until they needed the dirt bike or something. But <laughs> <laughs> but then this thing, yeah, I guess we don't want to spoil it too much because we do want you to go out there and check it out. Because there's a twist to it. Yeah, and and you should probably buy it by going to the Carlisle Sports Guys website, clicking on the Amazon affiliate banner, and yes, then buying should. Kevin in the Woods. It's the easiest way to do it. Oh, that's the best. But, okay, so... But it, it does it does start out different because it shows us some like scientists or government workers at the beginning of this movie, and you're yeah. trying to piece together what this is. I remember my sister even turned to me and said, "Did I buy the right thing?" And I was like, <laughs> "I think so," because I think I might know a little bit about what this thing's about. So I, I think we're okay. And she's like, "I think this is the wrong movie." <laughs> and then it gets in, you know, after the credits or whatever, it gets into the, the college scene of the kids, you know, fooling around, making sexual innuendos, talking uh-huh. about, you know, drinking, doing their drugs and going to this cabin and blah, blah, blah. And then at a certain point in this movie, this whole thing kind of starts to get twisted onto its head. And you're like, what is going on? And, you know, how am I supposed to make sense of any of this? It's a it's an interesting premise in a, in a sense that. Uh, it's ba- it's the basic premise that you're being controlled in a in, in the midst of a horror movie. Yeah, you know it is like it's it's this is happening because other people have their hands in it. You know, it almost had a touch of like being on like a reality TV show or something. Yeah, there's a, yes, yes, that's a that's a that's a good description. And it, it's in, you know it's not as canned as a as a reality program would be, but it's very. The premise and there's a lot of comedy to it, so it's it's like a disparate thing where you're like watching yeah. all this horrific stuff going on and like cheap comedy too. Yeah, and, and, and then there's <laughs> just like then, then there's they go to these other people who are you know directing this horror happening, and it's like they're doing shtick, yeah. you know, and it's it's like people are making bets about stuff. And... Yeah, <laughs> you don't really know why they're there. And then suddenly Sigourney Weaver shows up at the end. And, <laughs> and then another thing, too, with uh, there's like a, a big kind of like monster supernatural element to this film. Yes. And In they a never, Lovecraftian kind of way, those people who know who H.B. Lovecraft is. But they never really tell you, or did they, about why or how these things came to be? No. No, they just kind of like... Yeah, I, I, it, it is, is very. It is. It is like okay. You'd have to be familiar with. Uh, there's a horror writer in the early 1900s, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, and he did uh, titles such as uh, I don't know if you ever saw Herbert West Reanimator, the movie Reanimator. I tried not to watch anything before like 1980. Well, see, this is after 1980. It was like 85. So you have, oh, okay. no, you have no excuse now, Nate. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send me that. I'll Netflix that bad boy, or I'll buy it, it off of our Amazon affiliate link. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just like it, it, a horror writer from the early or slash science fiction writer from the early 1900s, and he did a lot of things where it's like, you ever heard of Cthulhu? Like this this uh, yeah this uh, monster with tentacles for fur face. Okay, yes. that's something he came up with. Okay, and it is it's that sort of thing. But every time he would describe it as like, if you see it, you would go insane. And there was no real description of these things. He was like, if you see these things, you will go nuts. And that was the premise of all, basically all of his, his stories. And so he like, almost wants to like make you think that something has been around and maybe you should already know what it is or something. Yeah. It's like these are, these things are like gods or something like that. And it was a very Lovecraftian inspired yeah. movie, but you would have to know it in order to grasp it. So I'm, I'm thinking after I recommended the movie to you, I'm like, Nate, I don't think, has read what I've read. So I, <laughs> well, I also saw some interviews about this movie where they were saying that that 
like it's going to be difficult to make a horror movie after seeing this one. Like this is such groundbreaking and new and crazy genre that it's, it's going to change things up. And I, don't I, know if I would call it that. I mean, it's it had some very horrific elements to it. Yeah, but it wasn't like horror. I mean, it's it's it. Yeah, it's hard to describe. It really get, is hard to describe. I get a lot of like uh, like nightmares or things will stick with me after watching horror movies. This one, not at all. No, it's not. I mean, this is this isn't a this isn't a movie like you know Paranormal uh, Activity or something. I never didn't like Paranormal Activity mostly because I don't like the shaky camera thing anymore. I, just, I thought it's been played out, but yeah. the, but like Cloverfield. <sighs> Yeah, run, 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 run. That was hard go, to watch. Go, 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 go. Fast, 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 fast. Man. Freaking Cloverfield. Um, but it's, it's, it's that sort of concept, I suppose. But I, I mean, okay, well, what kind of horror movie would you like? I mean, would, do you like horror movies? I guess My favorite horror movie is, um, The Descent. Oh, well, that's that. Well, it's another Lovecraft inspired. Is movie. it really? Yes, it is. Oh, man. That is, that's, I think that's my favorite horror movie of all time. That's it. Well, actually, that's not a bad. That's not a bad movie. That is not a bad movie at all. Have you ever seen the thing? Group of female hikers decide to go. What is it called? Converse. Oh, I forgot. Caverning. Cavern. Yeah, it's something like it, that. When you're going. Yeah. They're going into an underground cave, but it's like out in the middle of a forest, and there's just like a hole. And they're like, yeah. we're, yeah, we're going down here, and then all hell breaks. It's heavily loose. based on an H.P. Lovecraft uh, some short story called The Beast. Okay. Yeah. It's and, you know, and and that's it's. It's, uh, have you ever, have you seen The Thing? I haven't seen The Thing. I've heard that one's actually pretty good though from a few people and a few other people I trust. You have to see the first one. <laughs> you have to, not the first one, but the one that John Carpenter did in 1982. You have to see that one. And you're thinking, Jeff, it's 1982, you know, it's, it's going to be cheesy. No, it's not. It really? is very, very good. Probably <laughs> the best horror sci-fi movie ever made. Wow, really? Yeah. Huh. And it's, it's Kurt Russell's in it. And, oh, I like Kurt Russell. And Big it, Trouble, Little China. Yep. But John Carpenter. John Carpenter directed uh, the thing. He's and in that other good one. Um, I don't know if it's horror, but it was suspense with that those truckers. Like they kidnap his wife. Oh, uh, oh God. Uh, breakdown? Yeah, Breakdown. Yeah. yeah. You get to see the red Jeep Cherokee that I used to love from back in the day. <laughs> Boy, that the meatloaf was in that one, right? Yeah, I think Meatloaf was in that. <laughs> he pops up in some odd ones. It wasn't, meat, wasn't that Meatloaf in Fight Club? Yes, it was. Yeah. That's another good movie. I uh, went to anything for love. <laughs> That's a good song, by the way. Don't knock do, it. Matt. <laughs> um, it is. It is. It's one of. The, but anyway, I, I'm a big horror. I mean, I love John Carpenter movies. Like In the Mouth of Madness is. A, I love that movie. But um, and Halloween. Halloween's yeah, a great Halloween's movie. are good. Um, the but, Spurs. <laughs> but there's a lot of people who like Saw. And I've never liked the Saw movies. The first one I liked. I liked the first Saw movie because it was so different from anything else. But it was it, it felt really cheap too. So I don't I don't understand how you could make that many movies out of that premise. Yeah, they, it, was it, just... it was like the, 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 you have to like it, it. It ends. You cannot continue the same premise. Well, they did over the same over thing. They made again. the Descent too, which was terrible. It was like, dude, you have a cult classic here. Let's just leave it. It's like those ridiculous Final Destination movies where yeah. they, they weren't even cleverly titling the films anymore. It was yeah. like the Final Destination. <laughs> oh, wait, this is the Final <laughs> Destination 17. Another sequel I'm not looking forward to is Taken 2, and I thought Taken was an absolutely great first movie. Yeah, it was a great movie, and that I think Liam Neeson made that movie while his wife 
when his wife died. Oh, I mean, it was, it was like it was like right when that happened, like or he just finished it. So there was a lot. She of died of something like a she cancer accident. Oh, really? Yeah. Sudden. Oh. And, but there's taken two. I heard bad things about. Yeah, it just it just looks totally cheesy. It looks bad. Why make a sequel to that movie? That was actually a good movie. It was, and it was kind of like it wasn't believable. I think we counted the the body count was like twenty two. I think he took out twenty two people in the yeah. first one, something yeah. like that. Maybe maybe over. <laughs> Gratuitous, but fantastic. Another one I saw before I ask you about something that you've seen recently. I saw The Master with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman yes. and Joaquin Phoenix. Kind of a, uh, not getting a ton of publicity, but you can catch a preview for it here or there. Uh, it's basically about like a post-World War II era, and Joaquin Phoenix is trying to adjust to life after the Navy. Mm-hmm. But a uh, very bizarre movie, total character study. Uh, about the relationship between Hoffman's character and Philip Seymour Hoff, uh, Hoffman's character and Phoenix's character, yep. same guy. Um, <laughs> that would be a deep movie. Man. It was good because I, I love both those actors and they both did a great job, but the storyline just totally fell short. No, oh, you didn't like it. No, I was just like, what in the world? And I don't know. I just it, I didn't see. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm relying on your opinion here to. Uh, I don't know me. if I have a good opinion of it. I mean, I just didn't enjoy it, and I felt kind of like, eh. Like a kind of a waste of time, but it was it was well acted by those two. Yeah. But the whole story premise is a little weird. It's kind of got a little um, religious cult type dealings with it oh, and stuff and scams. So I mean, it's it's good, huh. and, and I'd recommend it if you can if you can catch it after theaters. But I wouldn't go to the theater and lay down okay. you know ten eleven bucks for yeah, it. Yeah, those those personal movies are, are hard to hard to watch, invest you know eight bucks nine nine bucks in yeah to see or what is it up to now ten bucks. Yeah. See a movie. So what do you got for us, man? What, what's a good movie recommendation that, that we should we should go see? Let's see. What have I seen recently? Or not even go see, but see off of uh, our favorite friends, Netflix, Amazon, whatever. Well, I uh, well, I saw The Avengers again. Great movie. I, mean, I don't anyway, watch that yet. Is you it good? A, you, it's a great movie. You'd yeah. Like I've seen all the other ones, and I followed them. Like, The Avengers wasn't even supposed to come out until, like, 2014 originally or something like that. I feel like they really... Yeah. And it, it's, that up. It, it's a good movie. Um, what else is that? What did I see? Because they were supposed week? to come out with like something like Archangel before that or something. Yeah, they got their timing all, all messed up. But I think it had mostly to do with Robert Downey Jr. I oh, mean, really? What he was doing. and Yeah, all yeah that and stuff. probably wanted to capitalize off of not letting it sit for years. And because there will be an else. Iron Man 3 coming out. Yeah. Which is, you know. But what, what did I see recently I was going to re- recommend to you? And I, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, it's one I saw this last week, and uh, boy, it's, oh, 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 um, um, let's see, this is bad radio. <laughs> this is bad. That's good thing it ain't radio, baby. It's uh, we can, it's, it's, edit, edit, do whatever. We'll take this out in post. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will not be taking that out in post. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I got get. You know, this is going to be one of those things where I tell you after the podcast is over because yeah, I, I completely have spaced it. I've been trying to figure out if I should watch, like, like Borat's been out there on pay-per-view. I think I might watch that. I saw another movie. You haven't seen Borat yet? No, not yet. And I, I usually watch those kind of quick because I like uh, Sasha Bear Cohen. Um, another movie I, I've seen previews for that I'm thinking about pulling the trigger on is called, like, Brooklyn Boys. It's almost a uh, almost famous type movie where it's following like a band, but it's like two guys that are kind of like 
you know, your classic lovable losers that end up forming a band, and I think they bring in, like, a female band member, and then they're trying to oh, book venues, and it just looks it looks kind of like Almost Famous in a way. So. Oh, okay. Well, I liked Almost Famous. That's, that's a good movie. Yeah. This one kind of has a little bit of that, you know, documentary-type feel to it a little bit. Like but, a This Is Spinal Tap thing? Uh, I don't know. I never saw that. <laughs> Jeff is smashing his head against the microphone right now. I'm always amazed when I find people who have not seen This Is Spinal Tap, yeah. <laughs> and see, that was post-1980 as well. Yeah. 1984. Yeah. Well, Jeff, we'll let you uh, think about that movie. We'll get into uh, our, uh, our, our me and Ross's week five NFL picks breakdown before we get out of here. We'll have to do that real fast. Oh, you mean that I have to leave and then come back for Thursday? Is that what you're saying? Uh, we'll do that Thursday, but we're, I'm just going to run through our picks from last week real quick and let everybody know how we did. Oh, okay. Uh, how did Ross do? 2012 NFL Weekly Pick'em Gamblers on the Storm Week 5. Uh, me and Ross tied Week 4, and we went ahead and tied on Week 5 as well. We both went 7-7, seven and seven, so that's going to push my overall record to 42-34. and 34. Ross is sitting at a cool 39 and 37. Which I'm sure he'll find a creative way to blame me for the deficiency he suffered after the, he and I both went 6 and 10. Indeed, because we're going to be pushing <laughs> forward again. So, Jeff, you could be making the tie-breaking picks on Thursday for Woo-hoo. Ross. So that will be interesting. But, again, we'll have no winner. We'll have the, the Skins game rematch where we are going head-to-head in week 6. And we're going to bring that to you guys on Thursday. Thursday. Come back. Jake Swooden Spirits. Jake Swooden Spirits. We will be back. But thanks for uh, Jeff Morton for coming in here, sitting in for Ross, who is on special assignment down on the bayou in Florida. Is there a bayou down there? Where is he in Florida? He said something about some islands. Some islands. So he's in the Keys? He could be in the Keys. I wouldn't put it past him. Ross in the Keys. Vikings making their way to the Keys. Lock up up your crocodiles or alligators. (laughs) Whatever they get out of it. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back with a blue pair of alligator skin boots. I bet he will, knowing Ross. I can see that. But coming at you here, Colorado Sports Guys, episode 66 is going to be in the books. I think we're going to dedicate this one to... Um, the Steelworkers of America? Steelworkers of America? No, they don't have anything to do with Colorado Sports. We're going <laughs> to give this one to the Denver Nuggets. Going 1-0 in the preseason. Everybody knows that preseason is a heavy indicator of how you're going to do in the regular season. Exact. Replica. So, <laughs> we're going to get out of here from Jake's Food and Spirits off 38th and Walnut. Come on down on Tuesdays for, was it two for Tuesdays? You get two for Tuesdays. Two draft beers. Two draft beers for the price of one. Yeah, and we'll be back here for a Stiff's Night Out on the 100-inch screen at some point as well. Colorado Sports Guy signing off for Ross Martin. This is Nate Timmons. We will see you guys on Thursday. Yos.